I've always wanted to associate with people that are inspirational. I did not have the opportunity of interacting with my father a lot. For lack of a better term, there are some people who are gullible. Hello, my name is Chilu Lemba and this is Z Flashback. Brian Wembia, aka B-Flow, is a man who is a household name in Zambia. He is the force behind the organization Music for Change, where he uses music as a vehicle for activism. But before he was that, we knew him as a man who was churning out hits, dancehall hits. And it was a pleasure and an honor to have him hang out with me sometime late in 2023. This episode is also available on YouTube. One of the clips that we shared from this episode was reposted thousands upon thousands of times. And it's the part where he talks about his relationship with his father. It's B-Flow on Z Flashback. Okay, Mr. B-Flow, thank you so much for giving us time on Z Flashback. Thank you so much. It's good to be on Z Flashback. Let me tell you a story. So this is the story I want to start with. In 2012, uh, was it 2011? I, I did the video for uh, Go Getter, and I won't make this about me. <laughs> but you featured in, in the video. In the video, I, uh, with the help of the late Mandiva, with the help of Chuma, we gathered people that we thought were inspirational, people that were making um, an impact in Zambia. Right. And you happened to be in the video as well. You know, it was an honor to have you. So the lesson that I learned based on my interaction with, with something that you did mm-hmm. uh, helps to make me realize my impact or lack of impact with a certain generation. So here's the story. <laughs> the video was wrapped. Then you posted on your page, you posted that you featured in the video with the legendary Chilu Lemba, blah, mm, blah, blah, mm, right? Mm. And I was like, hey, this is so cool, man. I'm, I'm yeah. grateful for Brian to, uh, you know, to do that. Then I went into the comments and I found like, who is this guy? Who is this Chilu <laughs> We don't know him. Brian, you should help promote this guy. <laughs> so flame, man. There's a generation that doesn't know. So thank you, man. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> no, it was a lesson learned. Wow, yeah. wow, no, wow. But I, I, say, I say it in a good way because I, I think what happens with uh, some of us guys who have been around for a while is that we take it for granted that we're still relevant in certain circles, yeah. whereas we might not be. And so yeah. we need those wake up calls. But on that's, a, so, that, that's mm. quite funny because uh, was it yesterday? Uh, I think I met you like two days ago at yes. the mall. And then I went home and I was telling my wife like, oh, so I was uh, with the, you know, legendary Chilulimba. Mm. We were having mm. a conversation at the mall. And then uh, this uh, influencer passed. And yeah. then he said hi to me, but he didn't say hi to, to Chilu. Yeah, yeah. So I was wondering, I was like, does he know who he is? <laughs> no, man, but it's, it's the same thing. And I, I think it's good to realize, I mean, here's a typical example. For some of us, uh, for, for a long time, Will Smith was Will Smith. Right. But to another generation, he was mm. like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, Willow's dad. Or, right. Or, or, or you yeah. know, I, I forget the Whereas size. to some people, he was just the, fr- the Fresh Prince of Berlin. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So different generations. Uh, what I'm finding now is that some people will meet me and introduce me as the guy who did Njota. Mm. Uh, but then, because they know the musical side yes. of me, some guys will know me from Radio Phoenix. So they're different yeah. eras. Um, yeah. But anyway, that that's this this. this interview is not about me it's about you but awesome. let's let's start with that moment though what do yeah. you remember about um the go get a music video shoot um because that was a 20 that was the 11 years ago or something yeah yeah um yeah from if my memory serves me right i think it was 2011 mm. um so at that time i i had just released my second album no more kawilo and yes. uh so I was I was rocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was rocking the airwaves, and uh, so I think uh, you invited me through TK, um, who was my producer, and so we we came through for for the shoot, and uh, I saw all these amazing people who were equally doing big things. I saw Zone Fam and and many other artists who were there, and uh, for me in that moment it was all about. Like finally, I get to meet Chilulemba, and finally, I get to 
to be where he is because we used to have a lot of conversations about you with uh, with TK. Yeah. And TK would always tell me all oh, these amazing things that you do in SA yeah. and how you take care of people uh, in a good way with, whenever they come, you know, to, to visit SA. And he would talk about how you were running things when it comes to, you know, the, uh, the, you know, the voiceover industry and entertainment in, in SA. I'm like, wow, Zambia has such a big export in Chilulemba. Mm. And because I had listened to your music way back from the times of the Rhythm Nation project yeah, yeah. and uh, what you did with the likes of Joe uh, Chiwangu. Uh, and so that opportunity for me was like a moment of growth for me because what it did was um, other than the music that I was doing myself, uh, having the opportunity of being featured on a video for an artist who is a legend, uh, then sort of elevates me to the next level because uh, the audience that knows you from way back from, from the, the 90s and the early 2000s mm. then gets to see me and say, oh, who's, who's this young man uh, <laughs> in, <the video. laughs> in Chilulemba's video, you know? So yeah. when they will listen to No More Kawilo and they see me and they listen to me and they, they see me there, I think it, there's something that it does to, to, to my, my brand as well because of the association. Yeah. I've, I've always wanted to associate with people that are inspirational, people that inspire me because then um, in a way it helps me to grow and it helps people to sort of trust my brand because of who I'm associated with. Yeah. Yeah. So I really love that moment. Um, when I look back today, uh, it's a bittersweet moment because uh, some of the people that we collaborated with uh, there in that video, and we had great conversations with yeah. the people that we were filming with, are uh, no longer here. Look at the likes of Mandiva, yeah. Kaliwa, the Black yeah. Stallion. Joe Chivangu. Joe Chivangu himself. Yeah, so uh, it's, it's a bittersweet moment. It was, it's, it's a great memory to know that we were able to do things together. We mm. even took pictures together, which I still post uh, here and there for my throwbacks. Mm. Uh, but again, it's sad that they're not here. Yeah. Yeah. But we're grateful for the time that we spent with them. No, thanks, man. And, uh, you know, I said this, this conversation wasn't going to be about me. So I, I probably need to then zoom in on you because this is, <laughs> this is the, the Brian B flow conversation. But it, it was, it was so good, man. When I look at that, that, uh, video, it, it brings back so many memories. Let's talk about Kabwe, man. Yeah. Because, um, the town is small, if we're honest. Um, yeah. I, I spent some time in Dallas. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you did? Uh, oh, you brief, did? Brief some days, oh, you know what I mean? Ad, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you know uh, Colonel Ngandwe and the, that family. So yes. Mweshi Ngandwe was like back at school, my closest friend. Mm. Uh, so, you know, they, they hosted me graciously at their house back then. So he, I got introduced to Kawe through them. Okay. But Kawe has produced some big names, you yes. being one, one of them, the other gentleman as well, who we all know yeah. uh, who's doing well, well from, from Kabwe. But tell me about yeah. your childhood back then. You know, we, we hear every now and again, you talk about um, how it was growing up, but mm. what do you kind of remember from the early days of you being in Kabwe? Yeah. Uh, well, because you've mentioned uh, the fact that Kabwe pro has produced a lot of um, icons. Um, I wish I could give you like a whole list, but that would take us the whole day. Yeah. Yeah. There, there's so many, so many, even those that I didn't even know were born in Kabwe or grew up in Kabwe, but we can talk about it later. So growing up in Kabwe, for me, um, some of my fondest memories were, uh, include uh, my early, early days, like studying school uh, at the age of three or four preschool. Mm. And uh, uh, funny enough, my, would you like to guess the name of my preschool? Uh, you, you're going to say something like Kawe Preschool. <laughs> Jack and Jill. <laughs> really? I was a Jack, no, was it? yeah, I was a Jack and Jill too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, <laughs> That's why I mentioned it because I, I watched one of your interviews and yeah, you mentioned that you went man, to Jack, Jack and Jill, Jill in Lusaka. Wow. So, so I went to Jack and Jill in Kawe. Wow. Yeah, we had Jack and Jill in Kawe. Um, then I started school, um, like primary school, at a school called Kasanda Malombe Primary School. Yeah. And Kasanda Malombe was a government school. Uh, I think now it's like a 
think it's like a junior high or something. Okay. Uh, I think it's been elevated a bit. Yeah, but it was uh, that it was a primary school at the time, and so I spent four years there. And during my time at Kasanda Malombe, uh, there was a time I had to repeat from fourth grade to third grade because apparently I started school a bit younger than than the others. Yeah, well, than the age I'm oh, supposed okay. to yeah. to enroll uh, in, into school because my my grandmother was uh, a head teacher at a school called Katondo Primary School, and so she used to. Uh, offer me some lessons at home before I could actually get to grade one. So you were advanced. So I was, yeah, I was kind of advanced. And so I started school, but then at school one time, I think someone was doing some inspections on our age and whatnot, <laughs> and then said, well, you started school before you were before you were seven, so you need to go back to grade wow. three. And that I really, I, I didn't like that. That I, happened to me as well, though. Oh, yeah? yeah I, had to, I had to repeat a grade uh, and, and similar vibe where there's an excuse, man. I hated that. So I, yeah. I, I can empathize. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the moment I went back to third grade, I performed so well hmm. uh, than I did when I was in third grade the previous year. Oh. And so that really prepared me well. But I think um, my school somehow was affected by some of the events that were happening in my life. Uh, so my mom... Uh, got a job in Serenje. Yeah. And I had to leave Kawe for in fourth grade. Yeah. Well, so we went to Serenje and spent three years there. Then again, in seventh grade, back to Kawe. Mm. So in Serenje, I went to Boma Basic School. Um, was just primary and basic school. Then went back to Kawe, went to Broadway, did my seventh grade. And then uh, I passed to grade eight. Then I went to Kawe High School mm. or Kawe Secondary School until I, I completed it so all. During my time at Broadway and Kawai, and, uh, I feel like that's the moment when even the interest in music uh, came about. But I think initially uh, the interest, I think, came as a result of wanting to mimic the people that I would watch on TV. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, when Will Smith had the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air yeah, and yeah. it was running on ZNBC, obviously, I think it was like years after the original, after the, the initial time. Because I'm, 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 I'm thinking initially that show was shot in maybe in this 80s, right? I think, I think right? it was, it was, it, it was shot, I, I suspect it, it was shot around early, like 90s. early 90s. Yeah, so yeah. Then, then that's correct. Yeah, so mm. I was watching that show because it used to come on the National Broadcaster. Yeah. And so now this is a story of my life. So that yeah, always yeah. just made me want to get into rap music yeah, and all yeah. those things. And then uh, coming to listen to artists like um, the Fugees, you yeah. know, Radio Nut, here <laughs> I come, uh, Shaggy, the times of uh, Mr. Bombastic, very fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then I think Boom Shaka as well, South, South Africa, Africa those yeah, days. Yeah. yeah so those. that's what made you like kind of lean towards dancehall or ragamuffin, yes. that, that kind of vibe. Yes, yes. And then my mom's love for reggae music as well. Yeah. My mom loved Lucky Dube, Bob Marley, Aijaman, uh, Peter Tosh, Get Up, Stand Up, yeah. and all that music. Yeah, so that kind of influenced me to want to do music all the time. But one of the fondest memories of my childhood was when I was about seven. And then after watching uh, one of those artists on TV, on our black and white TV, I went outside the house and stood on this, uh, this table that was uh, you know, outside our house. And I started singing what I, what I was watching on TV, like just mimicking what they yeah. were doing. And then I had closed my eyes while singing. Hmm. Uh, one of the artists I used to love a lot was Victor Kachaka. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Victor yeah, Kachaka yeah. and Ballad Zulu. You know, it is, it is it true. Do. Yeah. Oh, TV, it is it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I think I was singing one of those songs and I closed my eyes. Then uh, this woman who lived next door was standing right behind me and I didn't know that she was standing there. Yeah. And then uh, after I finished singing, I just found her clapping like, oh, know, like wow. one of those movie <laughs> yeah. scenes. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Then she says, Wow. When I order musician one day. That's so that was the first time. Planted, yeah. yeah, that was the first time I think somebody ever spoke 
about music with relation to me. Um, the only other time I think it was uh, one of my uncles was, uh, was, was telling me I was making too much noise whenever Will Smith was rapping on the, uh, on the sick tune for, for Fresh, Fresh Prince. Prince. Yeah, because yeah, I was always like rap along and then my uncle would say, you are making noise, <laughs> making noise. And then when you watch uh, things like Zankalewa, yeah, eh, Zanka, yeah, yeah. I also get my shirts and put them, you know, yeah, like yeah. under my t-shirt like that and make the, the kabeli and, and, start. Uh, and, you know, dance. Yeah, so those are my uh, memories of how like the interest uh, yeah. for music uh, grew. But by eighth grade, when after we left Serenge and went back to Kabwe, uh, that's around the time I started participating in things like, you know, talent contests. Okay. Where there's like a singing competition here yeah. and there. Yeah. So around those days, I interacted with artists like, um, uh, like General Ozzy. Because they used uh, to come to Kabwe to perform or? General Ozzy was based in Kabwe. Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know. He, he, he was also, he's also from Kabwe. So Roberto also. Roberto is from Kabwe oh, too. Wow, yeah. So yeah. at the time, Roberto was not around. He was based in South Africa. Yes. Yeah. So it was like of Ozzy. There was Damiano. Mm. Uh, there was a group called the B3. Yeah. They used to yeah. do gospel music. And uh, then I think one of them by the name of Marvin, the late Marvin uh, broke away from that group. But uh yeah, he was one of those people that also used to participate in those auditions and talent contests. So yeah, so I would uh, I, I would always be, I was in between rap and dance hall. I was trying to figure it out. So whenever I'm singing, I would always be, you know, hitting my, my chest like that. Like, to make a, make a rhythm. Yes, making a rhythm like yeah. that. So oh, after, rhythm, as you'd say. Rhythm. Yeah, rhythm. Me, I make a rhythm, you know. <laughs> so after doing that, um, people would always walk up to me and they say, you have such a nice flow. So at the time, I used to call myself Attic B. Attic? Yeah, Attic okay. B. Yeah. Um, at some point, I think we also uh, called ourselves the, the Natty Boys. Uh, we, yeah, we were busy like yeah. looking for... For names in the dictionary, any word that looks like, oh, it's cool, attic. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yeah. added a B, you know, yeah, somewhere. Yeah. At some point, I think because of Brian McKnight and me being Brian, I think I called myself McB or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in that moment, everybody would tell me, I love the way you flow. Oh, that was a nice flow. Yeah. Mm, tight flow. Yeah. So one day I asked, uh, I asked this girl, I was like, this was during an audition. I asked this girl, I was like, why why do you call what i do a flow yeah. why why can't you say what you're saying to everybody else like oh you you sing well i like mm. the way you, you you were singing i like the way you sing mm. how come for me everybody tells me they love the way i flow oh, yeah so that was the first time somebody explained to me like the concept of hip-hop yeah, and, 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 and what the significance of a flow and, and what bars. it means it's like oh interesting punchlines and bars yeah. it's like oh interesting well since everybody says I can flow and my name is Brian, yeah, I would get Brian from I would get B from Brian and flow from the compliments of yeah. the people, and that's and how I came up together. about the name. So, so now I've got a question for you. Um, we, we're talking about foundationally how these things were unfolding, and you've mentioned your grandmother who was an educator who had a role in your life. You you mentioned your mother, um, so rest in peace. You you know you you speak about her a lot. Your dad, uh, we know that um, you know he was um, involved with Kabwe Warriors, mm. and and what I wanted to find out is because I've been thinking about it in my own life of late. My dad died twenty six years ago. Mm. Um, yesterday, as we record this, was his uh, birthday, or should have been his birthday. Wow. Um, but. I sometimes now, you know, start reflecting on my interactions with him because, um, you know, with time, mm -hmm. it's almost like you're robbed of a lot of those. What was like your connection with your dad, especially now that you're a dad yourself? Mm -hmm. I'm just trying to see if um, there are any, any significant memories or, or anything that, that you have that connects you to his memory, whether, mm -hmm. whether it's, it's, it's a vacuum or whether it was enriching. I don't yeah. know if you've got any thoughts. Yeah. I think for me it's uh it's more of a vacuum and also it's 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 always been like quite confusing a bit mm. uh because my mom and my dad separated right at the beginning like when I was about 1 and so I did not have the opportunity of interacting with my father a lot but I was also very curious and very inquisitive and I would always ask my mom these questions and she mm. didn't want to 
give me the answers at the at the time yeah. because maybe of my age and maybe I couldn't understand what was going on and the the events that transpired all I knew was that oh my dad um was married somewhere else and uh, he he had other kids and I wanted I really wanted to have a relationship with him and I also wanted to have a relationship with these other siblings mm. that are on my dad's side but I I couldn't um really achieve much in 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 those areas so what used to happen was whenever I heard that Cabo Warriors were playing yeah uh, at home I would always find a way of going there like to the, sta- I, to the stadium to the stadium I'll yeah. tell my friends like let's go guys you need to yeah. see my dad you need to yeah. see my dad yeah. yeah but the thing is when you get to the stadium you need to pay so oh, yeah 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 if I I don't have the money it means you have to wait for usually they would they would open it up after half time that's when we would go in and then I would find a way of trying to go to, to where, you know where, yeah. where the coach is and for me to to have a conversation with uh with him uh but it wasn't very easy to to get that as well because he would be overwhelmed he's busy with the team yeah. and everybody's like talking to to the coach and he is this little kid trying to find his way through wow. the people to say hey hey dad it's me it's yeah, me yeah. you know so for me uh that struggle like even just the struggle to access my dad in such moments really affected me because then i would always wonder like why is it so different for me because one of my younger brothers who used to live with him um would actually literally walk in just before cow warriors would walk into the actual stadium like in the actual oh, okay, on yeah, the pitch yeah, yeah. So he would so he come in with the, with the team yeah, he was like part and he of the would be in front and he kicks the ball and then yeah. he'd be running and I would always and the, wonder like why can't I be a part of that yeah yeah so these are conversations that I would have with my mom like I I see that and I wonder why I can't also be a part of that why don't I have what were they calling that card I don't know if it was called like a season or card or something yes 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 for a particular for, season for t- yeah 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 so like why can't I access that why can't it be so easy for me because my dad is the coach mm. Uh, you know at the they now call it the the Yukachitalu stadium, stadium because yeah, my yeah. dad deputized uh, Godfrey Chitalu he was the assistant coach yeah. and then after Chitalu died my dad then became a uh, coach and, and manager for for Cabo Warriors mm. yeah so for me those were real struggles until um one time one of my aunties um my dad's um sister I uh, really wanted me to you know like get to meet my dad at uh, at that time I think I was about nine. Mm. and so she took me there and I had a conversation with him I asked him some questions like why why don't I live with you yeah uh, why is it that I my other siblings are here and I'm not here and he says you can't understand yeah and he said you can't understand yeah so for me all those were real struggles and uh The last time I saw him was when he was on his deathbed and uh someone came to tell me to say your dad was asking why you are not at the hospital so I really wanted to see him and have a conversation with him so I went there and we spoke briefly but he, he didn't speak much yeah. and then the next day uh we got the news of his demise and yeah so I still I was still left confused like I I don't really know much So me being a dad today what this does what the, what all that experience does is it it makes me really want to do what was not done for me. Yeah. Yeah, it makes me want to be there for my for my my children. It makes me want to to live in the same home with my children. So it makes me want to work hard to ensure that even even my marriage actually works so that i i can be a part of that whole experience that i never yeah. got to have you know what it is it's it's like sometimes we like you said we we learn from either the the vacuums that we had because there's a lesson in that or or if the glass was full we 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 have an opportunity to learn either way mm-hmm. and there's some things which even when i consider life now as as a father and uh, you know as a husband um our parents weren't perfect right and i think sometimes they failed to articulate situations because they thought we were too young to handle certain information mm-hmm. right but 
out of growth mm-hmm. and out of um, you know opportunities that we have now to to look at life as an older person mm-hmm. then you can maybe better be able to contextualize like okay yes. th- it, it was rough you know yeah, what i mean yeah, yeah. like so, probably this this is what was happening at this particular exactly, time yeah. exactly so you you're able to either um you know take the lesson or afford them grace mm-hmm. in terms of uh, whether it be forgiveness or whatever yes. like okay you know this this was a difficult situation i agree you know what i mean like I i'm agree. as i speak to you now i'm um uh, 48 yeah. my father passed when he was 50 Wow. So in terms of all his experiences, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like two much. years from the max of his experiences. <laughs> yes. And so I, I'm able to contextualize like, oh man, he, he must have been going through because if this happened when he was 32 or yeah. if this happened when, you know, it's, 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 it's also rough for, you know, because we're all human, we're not perfect. That's true. Do you have siblings though, like from, like uh, full, full siblings? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, so um, Terrence. Yeah. Uh, who is here in Lusaka. Younger uh, or older? Uh, younger. Okay. Yeah. So then on dad's side, I have uh, uh, three sisters and one brother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's a, here's another, it, it might be like, a, because, you know, I, I had very different questions, but I'm, I'm enjoying, yeah, <laughs> you know, where this part. is going. <laughs> the, the thing is like, when you, you've just mentioned two days ago, we, or three days ago, we were at Manda Hill. Mm. What I realized then is that, you connect with different audiences. So you, you obviously as, as an artist, as B flow, as a groundbreaking person, you'll connect with people at the highest offices in mm. government, NGOs, yeah. whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you also connect with the everyday ordinary guys there. You, I think you would just come from the shops, you know, yeah. you, you just done a bit of shopping. Yeah. Guys are saying hi to you, whatnot, and you, you keep moving. Mm. So, with that sometimes people struggle to find a balance because if you're connecting with guys in high office it's very mm. easy for you to just say that's me you know yeah, what i mean i'm made yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean whereas you've got that pressure and responsibility of no i'm still one among us yes, you know what i mean yes how do you create that balance i think that uh so there's there's this um there's this saying uh that failing to prepare Mm. is preparing to, to fail. fail. Yeah. And I think I feel like I I prepared adequately for for fame mm. before I became famous. Uh I was one of those people that did a lot of research into the lives of uh musicians and footballers and people in the entertainment industry and I I I did see a lot of things from the outside where, for example, I could hear about like the lifestyle and how people get so excited and how uh, there these different cultures, like the culture of uh, towing, mm, uh, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> yeah, um, and other cultures like oh, people have to consume certain, um, you know, like certain uh, uh, what would you call them, uh, psychoactive substances, whether it's it's drugs in order for them to feel high and for them to feel like now they are, uh, you know, in a celebrity space. And so having done a lot of research around that, then I also wanted to see it from the Zambian context and got to see how even like artists who would come to perform in Kawe would treat fans like me when I wanted to have a conversation with them. Like yeah. if I say, Abakamba, hey, I am a big fan of your music and I would just like to ask you a few questions uh, what does it take to be an artist like you? But just to see how they would respond and how sometimes they wouldn't want to talk to you and how, uh, you know, some people that we thought we knew also like changed and all those things. It made me think like, I, I wouldn't want to do that because yeah. I know how much I want to have a fan base. And so if I ever get a fan base, I don't think I will ever look at them like, hey, you are below me and I'm, I'm the star. Because mm. I, I think that essentially they are the ones that uh, enable you to be where you are because of the support that they give you yeah. as a result of your talent. Um, so coming from that background, I feel like my mom also played uh, a role because she was, she was really uh, a humble person herself. So I think I got to take a leaf from her lifestyle and how she interacted with people uh, because she was the only model I could see in front of me since I didn't have like a father figure there. Once in a while I'd interact with my uncles, but I lived with my mom. And so how she treated people, 
had like a, a ripple effect on how I would treat people as well, how she would treat my friends, how she would treat strangers, even on the streets and how she would help people. So that really for me um, kind of helped to shape my my character as well on how I was going to treat people. So once I got into the music business and it started to like work out and, and uh, take shape, uh, naturally, I didn't do much in terms of like planning. I, I already planned to say I was just going to keep it real and I wanted, I was going to be different. I wasn't going to participate in certain things that I would expect to find in the industry. And even though I was looking from the outside, when I found those things actually happening in the industry, I still told myself I'm going to stay principled. Mm. But again, because of the aspect of collaboration, you still need to be found with people uh, in certain places, but you still you don't necessarily have to participate in everything. Yeah. You can only participate in the in the work uh, mm. part of things. And then also, I didn't want to look uh, well judgmental towards uh, like my my colleagues and peers in in the industry when they did things that I did not agree with. Okay, but I would just stay there and you know just try to make make them feel feel comfortable. comfortable yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I noticed that when I started doing some of my like earliest events, like one of the events I did in South Africa, in Joburg one time, and I was having a conversation with one of the, one of the Zambians uh, living there at the time. Uh, so he described me as a very humble artist, like down to earth, and he couldn't believe it that an artist that was, you know, uh, making, you know, a lot of uh, noise musically mm. wo- would be that, that humble. And mm. so when he said that, I was like, oh, okay, you, he thinks I'm humble. I, I didn't even realize it. Yeah. So I feel like it was happening naturally. And I kept getting this compliment over the years. And I feel like somehow the fact that people also spotted it in me mm. also helped me to even work uh, towards it even more because I realized that it was one of my, it's been one of my strengths. Yeah. And it's one of the things that has helped me even to get into some of those spaces that you mentioned, whether it's me, uh, getting to make friends in high places, mm. be it ambassadors or presidents or mm. or diplomats or or CEOs of of big corporations, I think it's because of how I would handle my fame. Because after a performance, and then this person approaches me and says, "Oh, Biflo, we like what you're doing." How I would talk to them, mm. usually I would get that compliment where they say, "You, you are so humble for for a celebrity like yourself." I didn't expect you to be this humble. Yeah. And from there, I think the interaction uh, would would move forward. And I think also, uh, I, I think I have I, I have a way of of socializing with people at different levels. Yeah. And so. But but that's the thing. So so you, you, you it's it's from my observation, and I might be wrong. A lot of us, when we uh, connect with people at different uh, levels in society, we do that code switching story, right? Mm. Whereas um, there's also a thing where where you authentically you in different spaces, yeah. and this is what I, I picked up. Like this is what I'm thinking. Um, uh-huh. You're 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 like because it's not like. Um, uh, okay, I'll give you. It's a silly story. It's a silly story, yeah. but but just for context, <laughs> when I was a kid, um, we used to live near the Salvation Army in Villa, uh-huh. and so we used to interact with the missionaries' kids. Mm. There was a kid called Andrew. Andrew was a European, um, um, you know, young boy, mm. and so when we were playing with Andrew and you know the other kids, Andrew would be like, you know, I was with the Wakemans, and the Wakemans <laughs> did, you know what I mean? And he'd be speaking like that, right? And then his mother would call him Andrew, and then he'd go. Mommy, <laughs> so that that's the typical code switching where, like, you don't care that you know. But 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 if you're yourself, you know what I mean. Yeah. Andrew could have been himself with us mm. the same way, and, and it's a lesson to all of us. So that's what that's what I think uh, okay. in your case, where it's it's like constant. Yeah, the, the, you know what, what the way you communicate with yeah. uh, this guy is the same way at a different mm. level. Um, you know, from from my my observation yeah. of, of of you. But yeah. I want to ask you. A different question now mm. with all the stuff that's happening because you you communicate with your your fan base they accept you they appreciate you but there's the online fan mm. base which right. has genuine people mm-hmm. and then it's got uh trolls as yes, well yes. all mishmashed in there right. which could lead to a lot of pressure mm. um on on a person and i'm just yeah. wondering how mm. because you've been at i've 
from a distance i've yeah. watched sometimes when uh people just decide like no today's yeah. today's we're gonna get b-flow day <laughs> you yes, know? yes yes <laughs> like you know like i could mention a few incidents but i don't have to yeah how do you how do you handle mm. that pressure yeah. you know uh, how, how, how do you do it such such that it doesn't affect you yeah I, and actually because i had spoken about preparing for fame i think that's a side of fame that most of us never prepared for yeah I never I never prepared to be criticized in a in a negative way. Mm. I think I prepared to be critiqued to where somebody just says, "Well, oh, uh, you could do better in this and you could do better in that." But I never prepared for, for the vicious yes, vitriol. Exactly. Yeah. Uh you know, the the keyboard warriors. Yeah. <laughs> and there there are so many on on social media and uh, sometimes when we're analyzing the different social media platforms, we start even to say, "Well, it looks like Twitter has got this type of people, Instagram has got these people who don't troll, who don't uh, cyber bully anybody. And mm. then Facebook has got all these people, like yeah. it's for everybody. And yeah. I think that's where a lot of it comes um, or happens. And so in terms of preparing, I never ever prepared on how I would handle these situations. And uh, as a human being, it does, get to me uh in different times when i feel oh here i'm being misunderstood and here this these people have taken this conversation all the way there it didn't have to be this how do i defend myself mm. yeah but over the years i think i've also learned from people who've handled criticism by just studying like oh how did this person handle criticism how did mandela handle it how did mm. obama handle this how did uh given lubinda handle this how did uh hh handle it how did this one handle this and so from all those uh experiences of other people i tend to 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 learn some lessons to say oh this person handled it by just keeping quiet and then it just dies down and this other person saw the need to respond because we also live in a society where for lack of a better term, there are some people who are gullible yeah. and they can easily fall for anything that they see on the internet. If somebody uh, wrongly reports about Chilulemba today, even if it's not true or there's no element of truth in it, other people will just take it as it is because they saw it on, on social media and they'll go like, oh, ah, this is what Chilulemba has done or this is what Chilulemba does, mm. you know? And so, uh, there, there are moments I calculate and I say in this moment, I think I can respond to this in a formal way, whether it means to do it like a press uh, statement or whether I will try and intelligently handle this matter by talking to this person or I will just keep quiet because I've also seen that there are certain situations which when you comment on them, you just now find the flames exactly then it just gets worse yeah yeah so i think it's been work in progress and i've been learning over over the years to say oh certain things you just don't respond other things you need to respond to correct the situation or to help people uh understand the real context of something yeah but um it has affected me in 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 different times like i remember back in 2014 when i first um uh went to uh for for my yali program uh the young african leaders initiative and I, yes. I went to the states for the my civic leadership training and so many things happened in my life at that time because i just i had just lost my mom mm. and i also lost a very uh close uh friend and associate um and fellow artist that's pj so pj and my mom both died in the same month, which was the month of December, 2014. So I lost my mom on the 7th and we lost PJ on the 21st of December. And then I go for this program um, while I'm in this period of, you know, mourning and, and trying to understand what's going on in my life, why I'm losing so many of these uh, dear good, dear, dear people, yeah. And then while I'm in the States and then this highly spoken about Obama moment yeah. gets to happen. Where, Brian Wembia uh -huh, from Zambia. You know? <laughs> so now when, when this happens, then I start reading things on the internet and people are saying, there's no way that Obama, out of all these artists <laughs> in the world can just name check B-Flow or like single him out. What's so special about him? Just 
recently he lost his mom and he lost his good friend PJ. No, there's something fishy here. I think this guy is uh, Illuminati or something. Serious? <laughs> 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 yeah, like all these things and you know um because in that moment, you know, I was still in in grief and then yeah. I start seeing people saying oh he probably killed his mom probably oh, killed his, his brother in what not and what not yeah so those were some of the earliest days when I was getting to see like that type of criticism in the online space yeah and I'm like how do you even handle this how do you deal with this how do you respond to this and I decided just not to respond mm. uh and during uh, PJ's funeral as well Uh when PJ died I took it upon myself that I wanted to to really help out like I saw you did a lot of things when George Bango died mm-hmm. you know where mm-hmm. you feel the need yeah. to do something for a friend and so I did a lot of running around I go to different I go to movie TV I go to sounds I go to anybody that that is involved in the entertainment industry to say can you make a donation towards uh this yes, funeral and yes. I I bought this book where I was recording and I made them sign Yeah, against yeah, the so amount that there's accountability there's accountability then i went and handed over that book to the family mm. and said oh these are the, the, the these are the monies that i've been able to to raise and here is the money mm. and then on the internet there's like a whole different story yeah. where there are people who just believe you you haven't done anything for your friend yeah. and even later on when um I I I helped the family to uh by facilitating like the collection of some royalties whether it's from Zamcops or whether it's from uh the the telecommunication companies that were doing coloring back tones and whatnot. Mm. And so the money went to the family and they were in the process of doing uh like a tombstone for for PJ and then there are all these other stories where they're saying look at these people Biflo you've neglected your your friend and you couldn't even put a tombstone and what not And so even in all these moments I I felt do I defend myself or do I just keep quiet? Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it's But it's, do you, but with that said, do you have like um some somebody who you can almost like a um I wouldn't I wouldn't say like a mentor, but somebody who helps to to keep you uh sane in such moments or or, or accountable to yourself or to remind you or you know, do do you have any any of that thing as well that's that you can fall back to i'm just yeah, wondering so, yeah yeah so from the start of my my music career just before i got the the acclaim mm. uh that made people know me to say oh there's there's b flow i used to interact with um uh a certain gentleman called ignatius the, lo- the lawyer the lawyer yeah. yes yes yeah. yes and so ignatius was my mentor who really like helped to uh help to 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 find direction mm. in terms of how i would do things he helped me write my strategic plan mm. so i wrote my two year plan i wrote my three year plan we wrote my 10 year plan and i wrote my 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 five year plan as well so we had this document i even laminated it just to make sure that i follow through and so i had plans where we say oh in this two years I'm going to release an album going to save some money going to help my mom pay for you know my my brother's uh, school fees and uh, and and different things so he helped me like structure it so well and uh whenever things were seemingly going wrong in on my end yeah. i'd always like you know run to him and say i i need you know some guidance other times he would visit me here uh he had moved to to Kitwe other times i would visit him and we would have conversations and we would we would talk about these things and then over the years i also got to just like meet other people um one of them is a good friend of yours uh Kamiza yes uh, who i would also like just talk to about some some of the things i w- i can or cannot do in this space just for me to have a better understanding by looking at by learning from people who've who've, who've uh, had the journey yeah, uh, yeah exactly yeah so i've uh, i've had quite a good support system and uh, at some point i also used to have a lot of conversations with um um eric schultz former us ambassador yes. who I, i would also talk to and just ask a few questions when i wasn't sure about something like there was a time when 
I think I also like felt or got tempted to accept one of those, you know, those political monies yeah, that they yeah. offer <laughs> artists where they say, oh, uh, get this money and do a campaign song for us or something. Yeah. So in one of those moments, I, w I went to ask, I said, do you think this is, is good for me? Mm. And, you know, he then he advised me to say, no, actually, there's life after elections. Mm. So that has stuck to this day, whenever mm. there are elections and artists are getting monies and they are, then the backlash comes. For me, it's something I was prepared for because I would always have conversations with people like that to say, oh, there's life after elections. And another person who's been very helpful in that area of, uh, I could vent to when, whenever there's such things going on, whether it's criticism, is uh, Smooth IK, Innocent Color. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good man. All right, I'm gonna ask you the the last uh, question, and then I've, I've got I've got a suggestion for you, which which I think you'll find amusing. But um, as and we need to do a part two, man, because there's so many sides of you. Uh, here it was more or less just to to touch on some parts that I haven't heard discussed yeah. uh, before with you, and I'm grateful that you've been gracious enough to to share some of those. It, it feels therapeutic as well because it, I've never talked about them yeah, publicly. Yeah, yeah, even, even for me, <laughs> let, me tell, let me tell you, man, it's like, <laughs> yeah. But, but uh, you know, going forward, um, you've, you've, you've got a lot of pressure on, on you in terms of, how you've positioned yourself uh, mm. with with music for change. I mean, that in itself is a mission statement, yeah. which is which can also be a burden. Yes. <laughs> you know what I yes. mean? Depending on how you view it, um, because sometimes maybe you just want to do a fun song, but yeah. then maybe at the back of your mind you're thinking like, I probably need to inject yeah. some some you know uh, consciousness in here. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to it now, looking at you in the next, I don't know, let's say five years. Mm. Do you see yourself, um, you know, in terms of your output, more on the music side mm. or more on the the mission mm. activism side? Mm. What 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 do you think will grab more of your attention and and more of your your time? Yeah. So these are things I have been thinking about, and these are conversations I've been having with myself to say, so what next from here, and also. Uh, uh, these days we keep hearing people talking about retiring and uh, which I, I don't agree with the idea of, of retiring from your talent because mm. it's it's inborn, it's inherent, it's God given and uh, it'll always be there. I feel like there comes a time where you, you think you've retired, but then you just feel like, what are they doing there? I, I need to participate. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I think for you as well, it, it might it might happen in, in future if you ever decide to just go and settle somewhere else and not do voiceovers and you hear people doing it a certain way and you're like, I, I, I can still do that. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I don't necessarily look at retiring, but I look at um, what will I do? And it's one of those conversations I've been having with myself because there's also a thin line between activism and politics mm. uh, because the things that activists talk about are the things that politicians are supposed to be implementing. So then you also start seeing like there's a certain uh, section of society that is telling you like, oh, why don't you become an MP? Mm. Why don't you vie for this position in future so that you can actually actualize the things that you speak about because you can't just keep talking. You need to sit at the decision-making table. So there are all these conversations going on. And then there is, I cannot stop doing music. I love it so much. This is something I've grown up doing. But then even the same activism and advocacy side of things, it's something that has always been in me because from my uh, high school days and uh, I was always involved in these extracurricular activities, clubs, I was school head boy, I was the president for the anti-AIDS club, I was the president for the debate club and I was always involved in peer education. Mm. So uh, from the way I look at things, I want to be able to combine the different things that I do. So I, um, I'm looking to setting up a foundation very soon. It's already in the works. Uh, having a foundation where I can champion these other causes like my advocacy work and, uh, you know, do things for the kids and give them a platform where they can learn whether it's about music and also about leadership, like civic mm -hmm. leadership. Uh, on the other hand, 
currently I have a studio. So I would like to also continue mentoring uh, younger artists by giving them platform to even record and learn more about music. Uh, so that's, that's on the music front. Uh, I'm not sure whether I would also go into music management because uh, I feel like I can also play a role in terms of branding for artists to know how to position themselves because I, I feel a lot of artists get into the music industry and they they are just entertainers, but they don't really get to understand the business side of things, like how I've been able to leverage relationships with whether it's the corporate world, whether it's the embassies or hmm. or government officials, how do you as an artist position yourself to be in those spaces and also be a social entrepreneur, a person who contributes to social good, but at the same time makes a profit? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, it sounds, sounds amazing. So I've got uh, one more question. I know I said that was the last one, but discipline in terms of your physical health and mental health you seem to be getting it right. Thank Maybe. you. <laughs> well, Finally. <laughs> yeah, well, well, writer than me, if there's such a, I'm, I'm bastardizing the, the king's language. But, but why is it important for you to, to stay in shape and uh, maintain that, that regime? Well, what, what, what's it for you? Everyone has different reasons. Some it's yeah. for looking good, but what keeps you going when you don't feel like you should be going? Wow. Uh, as cliche as it may sound, Health is wealth. Mm. Um, but for me, I think it's mainly for my, my mental health. Uh, the physical fitness actually affects the, the mental health in a positive way. When I'm fit physically, I'm also fit mentally. And uh, I've also come to learn in, in my, my, my course of this uh, fitness journey, I've come to learn that uh, the more I commit to the whole, you know, fitness process, the more it helps me to build my discipline, even in other areas of life. Yeah. The same way I have to wake up every morning at six to hit the gym and do my workout is the same way I find myself now getting more disciplined and committing even to other things and making sure that I, 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 I keep time and I, I make sure that I, I follow through and I deliver certain things within a, a particular uh, time. And I, I think it's, it's really working for me. It's really, really working for me. And these days, it's even getting better when you get a compliment from another person. When, when these, these, uh, in our gym, there's um, one of the quotes on the, on the wall where they say, um, uh, I'm trying to remember exactly how it's phrased, uh, but they say something like, uh, when you see results, uh, it becomes an addiction. Oh yeah. 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 So, but sometimes I, I also interpret it as when other people tell you about your results, it yeah. becomes more of an addiction because then you see, oh, so it's actually working. Work, yeah, people yeah. are even noticing that uh, some things- We're noticing, are man. <laughs> <laughs> you make us feel bad. <laughs> no, no, I'm teasing it. it, it so it's good for, for, for your mental health. It's good for my mental health too. It's inspiring. So here's, here's the last, my last comment to you. My, you might find amusing. Um, I haven't spoken about your music and I uh, should just tell you that uh, I told you earlier on that I listened to your album. So it's a very good album, your current one, right? Thank you. And, uh, you know, we, we've spoken about maybe pushback regarding the title. So here's my advice to you. Yeah. You should make a gospel version of the album and then you call it Sunday Station. <laughs> <laughs> Use the same artwork, just put a Y after Sundas. I love that. <laughs> I'm going with that idea. I'm going with that idea. The remix album. Ah, I need, Station. Yeah, yeah. I, need, I, need to, I need to work on that one. <laughs> no, thanks so much for your time, man. Yeah, it's been like really fun, really inspirational, really good to see this uh, a different side of you as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I, I really love what you said at the end, actually, the Sunday Station. It, yeah. it kind of feels like you can actually turn these lemons into lemonade. lemonade there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on the Z Flashback. It's been amazing. It's been real. Bless. Yeah.